Habakkuk 3. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Temen, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Cushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard, and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet... I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pens and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. And the scripture from the New Testament this morning, the Gospel of John. 16th chapter. The hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each one to his home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution. But take courage, I have conquered the world. The word of the Lord for us this morning. 
Thanks be to God. Well, living by faith, whether you have a whole lot of it or just a little bit of it, is a bewildering venture. We rarely know in our lives, do you know what's coming next? And, and how often is it that things really turn out for you in the way you anticipate? Though you and I know it's foolish, it is human nature to imagine that, you know, in the divine economy of things, if, if I live my life and have my heart in sync with the creator and the creator's ways, well, things should go pretty well for me. I should be able to dodge those big bullets and, and the life around me, well, things should run smoothly. Not that God's followers do not get preferential treatment and that life around them can be pretty rank at times is, you know, let's admit it. It's, uh, it's kind of a surprise, and it's unsettling, and it's unnerving, and it's unwelcome. Well, in today's sermon, and in those preached in the last four weeks by Pastor Phil, we've met a biblical character who shows up and is kind of with us in our perplexity about the fact that it's not working out like I thought it was going to. It's Habakkuk. He's the Israelite prophet of God from the late 17th, 7th century BCE, and he, he lives in a time and a place where things, kind of like they are today, feel like they've gone off the rails. Eugene Peterson, when Anna brought us the message, says, most prophets speak God's word, God's word to us, and put God in our face, insisting that we see him as he really is, and not in the way that we think he should be. But Habakkuk in these last four weeks, has been speaking our word. Habakkuk has taken, you know, our disappointment and our bewilderment to God. I mean, in the face of crooks and criminals and gonzos out there with guns, we wonder, yo, Lord, what is the world coming to? And Habakkuk then takes even our disappointment with God and he tries to articulate our way of understanding things. Well, today, that dynamic is going to change about 90 degrees. You might recall the circumstances that aroused Habakkuk. Um, the prophet realized that God was going to use the godless military machine of the Babylonians to bring God's judgment on Habakkuk's people. Well, not that they didn't deserve it, because they did. And that was Habakkuk's first lament that God appeared to be just sitting on the curb across the street while all this bad stuff was happening, ignoring how the Israelites, Habakkuk's people, were treating one another. But now the news that God is bringing in the heavy artillery of the Babylonians to do the work of chastising the Israelites doesn't make sense. How could a good and faithful God allow so much to go wrong? So Habakkuk takes off to the watchtower to see what the Lord has to say, how he's going to answer his exasperation and his complaining. And he hears God. The news is yes. Unmistakably, the divine is still at work. The divine is still restoring creation to the goodness intended to it from the beginning. And yes, Habakkuk, that promise that God made to Abraham that he would 
bless all the families of the earth through Abraham's descendants? Yeah, that's still in effect. You know, Habakkuk is asked to believe something that he can't see. And I am always mystified by the fact that as you and I sit here, the earth is moving at 1,000 miles an hour, and we don't feel it. We are asked to believe something that we don't feel. And Habakkuk is being asked to believe in something that he doesn't see. Well, in this dialogue, Habakkuk also hears something, and this is going to be a repeat, that the righteous, those who live, whose lives move and depend on God, those are the ones who are truly going to be able to live through all of the calamity and at the end of time because their vitality, their very life comes from the source of life, which is God. And this is followed by then some really lengthy editorializing about how God will give up the proud and the tyrants and the evildoers to die by their own wretchedness. Well, chapter 2, where Phil left off last week, ended in silence. And that silence is broken today in chapter 3 because Habakkuk bursts into song. (laughs) Well, that might be stretching it. Um, He's composing a prayer that is set to music. And I imagine that it's, it's something on the order of a movie anthem that stays with you. And, you know, it lifts your feet and, and your heart and your spirit. When, you know, once you've left the movie theater and you've forgotten the lyrics, and at this point, da, 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 I can't, I can't do it. It's the theme from Star Wars. Every time you hear it, every time you hear that theme from the battle, um, and, and Les Miserables, where they're just getting ready to take on the bad guys, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Doesn't that do something for you? Habakkuk is teaching us a song that we might remember at least the tone of it, if not the words. And his song, given what he has just heard about God's justice with the bad guys and the good ones, It begins in awe and in trepidation. Lord, I have heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds. God, those deeds, your fame, renew it in this day. In our time, make them known. In our time, God, come. And in your wrath, remember mercy. Boy. I can agree. In this time of violence and vengeance and gangs and guns, it would be a really, really good time for God to renew God's wrath on the world. And P.S., if any of that that arrogant self-sufficiency that I see in other people is really in me, (laughs) as it likely is, please show mercy. That's Habakkuk's prayer in the beginning. Habakkuk didn't need to be reminded of of what the goal of all the purging of those wicked people and all that evil in the world was going to be. He knew it would be a time when, as the psalmist says very poetically, steadfast love and faithfulness will meet, righteousness and peace will kiss. (laughs) Or in the words of the commentator Elizabeth Ackmeyer, good will be our name and the character of our people. Good will be in our hearts and in our relationships with one another. Good will be in the earth again as God intended it in the beginning. 
Well, I don't know about you, but in doing my study for all of this, there was a whole lot of darkness and a whole lot of evil being talked about. And I thought, man, we need to just take a break right in the middle and imagine. Imagine if evil were gone, if the kingdom of God was fully realized. Take a minute. What would that look like in your neighborhood? What would that look like in this church? What would that look like in this world? God has a vision. And maybe this morning, that vision comes through you. Amen? Well, once Habakkuk has gone through that first part of his prayer where he says, basically, God, you know, you're going to do things with the bad guys. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. Once that is off of his lips, he is whisked off to have this dramatic vision of what he's been promised will come. Habakkuk has been promised that the victory of God will establish the kingdom of God on earth for all time. And sit back, because this is one heck of a vision that Paul read to you, right? It's harrowing. It's full of images of action and pyrotechnics and drama that would make George Lucas proud and probably get an R rating for violence. So at the beginning, as the credits roll, Habakkuk sees God, the king of all the earth, march in as a warrior from the east, excuse me, from the direction of the southern desert. It names a lot of places. The light flashing from his hands is so powerful that his enemies fall behind him as if they'd been stricken by the plague. And his look alone out over the landscape causes the mountains to tremble and all the nations residing in their tents to fall. You get the picture? <laughs> because rivers and seas become subservient to him as, they've, as he's conquered them. And in the final battle scene, against all that thwarts abundance and salvation in all the earth, the king deliberately recovers his bow. He lets the arrows fly and brandishes his sword Lightning ricochets off of it. And in fury, Habakkuk sees the king stamp out the wicked, flaying the earth's leaders who were about to devour the poor. What an image. What an image, the end of all time. All of this for one purpose. That the kingdom would be realized and salvation would be experienced for all God's beloved. In the end, this part of Habakkuk's prayer song, which I'm not sure how he's going to set to music, is sung in the only language to which Habakkuk has access. And it echoes the Israelite history that he has in common with all the people who are going to hear it. So more important than you know, the specifics of what mountains are going to fall against what nations win and at what time, you know, those things that you and I will never be able to figure out, more important than that is the effect. The effect, the truth behind the particularity of Habakkuk's vision has for him. It blew him away. I mean, wouldn't it blow you away if that, you, know, you suddenly saw all that happening? I mean, to see and to know in the fiber of your being 
God working with so much decisiveness, that God wiping out all evil and restoring creation to what Revelation says will be a place and a time. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will have passed away. In this vision, I believe that Habakkuk was drawn away from the world that he could see outside his prophet's window. And instead, he finds himself above his circumstances, inhabiting the greater world of God's sovereignty. Away from inhaling the, you know, the exhaust on the stinky, gang-ridden streets of Jerusalem, he is nourished by the air of eternity, where faith breathes. You know, when we Presbyterians use that term sovereignty in relation to God, it's with an understanding alien to the presumption that we are the center of the universe. (laughs) Sovereignty comes with it, the understanding that it, it is what God does and is that provides the key to human experience, not what we do. And Habakkuk gets it. At the end of all things, it wouldn't be about him. It wouldn't even be about his community. It would be about an everlasting God having accomplished his kingdom for his ends. The Apostle Paul reminds us that all things, God works together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things, all the bad things, all the good things, God will bring together for his good purpose. Habakkuk's life with all of the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune that are woven into it, just like ours, with all the pain and the misfortune and the disappointment that we experience, all of that would be but a single note played out in an even greater symphony of God's creation. Habakkuk saw it. He saw God would be the end of all things. Good would be the end of all things. So after his vision, when the smoke clears and all the arrows are gathered up, Habakkuk is, well, as you and I would be, pretty quiet. We don't hear any more of his despair. No more anguish coming out of his lips. The world still looks the same out there. I mean, there are still egomaniacs and the children are drinking bad water but he knows without a doubt who is working the future out. He knows what the end of all things will be. Now, it's a little trite, but it reminds me of a chaplain's poster in the primary children's hospital elevator that I saw once, and it said this. In the end, all will be well. And if it's not all well, it's not the end. From his almost serene vantage then, Habakkuk adds a verse of unconditional trust to the song prayer. Lord, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation that's invading us. But listen to this. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Yet, 
I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. What an open heart to God. How it must delight God and make it possible for God to use Habakkuk with a faith like that. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on to heights. Do you know something of that for yourselves this morning? I dare say that you wouldn't be here unless you'd sampled a tiny bit of it. Nothing, nothing can take that promise from us or separate us from God's love that will be realized. So where are we today? You know, just because Habakkuk got to that place of great faith and trust doesn't mean that you and I necessarily have it because we just heard about his story. We heard his song sung. If today's news were to be news of another ISIS action, in your heart, can you affirm God's word that it's all still coming to good? Can you, with Dietrich Bonhoeffer from his prison cell, when Nazis were about to kill him. He said, by good powers, wonderfully hidden, we wait cheerfully, come what may. Can you get there? If you can, praise God. And you can go ahead and doodle on your bulletins, because I'm going to talk to all the rest of us. I believe Habakkuk's journey, as we have, as, as you have heard it from Phil these last four weeks, and you've heard it to me today, I think that he sets out some signposts. I mean, I think there are footsteps in the snow that you and I might be able to follow getting to that place of faith. There are five of them. When we hear of one more corrupt government or precious little life that's abused with Habakkuk, you know, whose very name means to embrace, with Habakkuk, it's our job not to ignore that reality, not to turn away in fear or disgust, for that which we resist persists, and in that there is no opportunity for growth of faith or witness. With the prophet, we might pray fervently to faithfully lift the trauma that sickens us to the throne of God where the only kind of holy healing ever comes. Pray relentlessly. Have no anxiety about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus your Lord. Number three. With Habakkuk as children, Habakkuk is a child of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and of the Messiah who is to come as we are, we might do well to remember. Remember the Lord's work in the past. You know, that draws us into that song of faith. Where has God seen freedom from tyranny already won? Where has the sun come through the clouds for you? Where was that moment when you thought, yeah, disaster has just struck, and out of it was blessing? God was at work, and we need to remember that God works. <laughs> and above all, haven't each one of us, in the life and the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, haven't each one of us been taken from something not so 
not so pretty. And we have been redeemed. Remember where God has done God's work. Fourth, as a prophet of God, you know, you had to have an office in the temple and do your thing. Habakkuk honored his call. Even when maybe he wanted to say, you know, like that character in Macbeth who says it's all a stage and nobody's there. Habakkuk stayed there. He stayed within the worshiping community and remained faithful. Because I think it's here, in worship and in community, that we learn to wait in silence. Another gift. It's here that we find our lives synchronized with that which is eternal and not to be blown off course by the mirage of the short term. When Jesus asked his disciples, do you want to go away also? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and those words are proclaimed here. Stay in community. And finally, number five, as Habakkuk heard and shares with us, it is the role of the faithful people of God to live in righteousness. While God, God's self, is the one to establish his reign over all institutions and politics and peoples, you and I still need to work like heaven, <laughs> remitting our time and our talent, our, our energy and our imagination and our treasure to promote the kingdom of God. Does that mean keeping the law in our hearts and in our lives? Yep. Does it mean working to see that justice is accomplished in the lives of other people? Does it mean telling people about life found in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Those were, those were footsteps on his path that I could see, being real, praying relentlessly, remembering, remaining in the body, and righteous, faithful living. I pray that by putting our feet in those places, when that question comes to your lips or somebody else around you says, what is this world coming to? I pray that you might be able to lift your own gaze above your circumstances and with a sure and certain faith say, it is coming to God's good will. I almost want you to repeat that after me. It is coming to God's good will. Good. And though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vine. I will exult in the God of my salvation. Though we may not see it all, or only through a mirror dimly, God's vision for his world is being realized. In his way, in his timing, the word is sure. May we all live in faithfulness, knowing that our lives are a note in that great symphony of salvation when the kingdom will come. Amen? Amen. This morning, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I couldn't believe how much this prayer meant to me after I studied Habakkuk. So let's say it slowly together. It's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.